Hey there! Thank you for tuning into Yale Enios After Hours. This is a new initiative by Yale Enios Society for Academic Research, a student organization in Yale Enios College. We will be speaking to distinguished researchers and faculty of every stripe, from whom we seek to learn a thing or two about their work and ideas. We will be uploading new episodes weekly, and we hope that you enjoy this special episode with Prof. Luke O'Sullivan. How do we know if history was as it is taught and apprehended if we do not have direct access to events in the past? What is historical knowledge, and does it have a purpose and any utility for us? Such are questions and issues for which we rarely spare a thought. So to help us think about how we think of history, we're very privileged to have the opportunity to speak to Professor O'Sullivan. Professor O'Sullivan is a historian of ideas and is the author of the monograph Oakshot on History. He has published numerous articles in journals like the Journal of the History of Ideas, History and Theory, and several others, and is also a co-editor of Bentham's Correspondence for the collected works of Jeremy Bentham. So, to start things off, Professor, could you tell us more about um, your academic journey, what got you started, and what got you to where you are today? Right, uh, very happy to do that. Uh, so, I started off uh, in history, and I quickly got interested as an undergraduate about the problems to do with historical knowledge. Um, after all, one of the things about the past is that it's not directly observable. And on one popular account of how we get to know things, uh, it's via sense perception. We take in sensations uh, caused by things in the world around us and we process them. And uh, on that basis, we can eventually make some knowledge claims. Now, the problem about the past is precisely that, well, you can't see it. So how then do we come to think that we can reliably make claims about what went on? So I became interested in that problem, and uh, that led to the uh, graduate work that I did on Michael Oakeshott, who uh, has uh, a couple of important books on that theme. And uh, then to more general engagement with problems in philosophy of history and problems about philosophy of knowledge generally. Uh, although uh, also because of my work on other aspects of Oakeshott to do with history of political thought and political theory, uh, I've ended up teaching in a political science department. But yes, uh, I'd say what I do is uh, mostly history of ideas. And we understand that you're also a very prolific writer on the um, thought and works of Oakeshott. Do you mind sharing with us a little bit more about um, Oakeshott's conception of historical knowledge? Sure. So, as I was just saying, we have this problem of not being able to perceive the past directly. So there's the question of how do we come to know about it? And Oakeshott argues that, well, uh, essentially we have to base ourselves on the evidence we have left in the present. So... For this reason, his account is sometimes called a constructionist one. We have to build up an account of what went on in the past by criticising the evidence we have available to us. So in some respects, this is an imaginative activity which is comparable to a literary endeavour. It uh, relies on, uh, in a way, composing a narrative of what went on, which isn't to say that you're looking to try and find an overall plot or direction in history in the way that you might in a 
novel or a movie think that there's some kind of story. Uh, this doesn't mean there's some overall you know, direction to the past necessarily. Oakshot wasn't a, a believer in a kind of progressive narrative of the past, but uh, he did think that in some respects uh, there was a potentially a narrative quality to some ways of, of doing history. But on the other hand, he did also want to emphasise that history was in the broad sense one of the human sciences uh, in that it was critical, rational, uh, open to uh, dispute and debate and that in principle all different accounts of the historical past were supposed to belong to one kind of ideal uh, notional totality of uh, past events so that they could mutually criticise one another. Historians have to be able to engage in meaningful debate about what went on. So the individual work of history isn't self-standing, it's a contribution in the end to a, a broader attempt to give an overall view of the human past. So, Professor, you mentioned something about um, history being something that is imaginative, something constructed. But this seems to run against the common intuition, you know, that um, history is something something that's an accretion of um, facts and, and, and truths, and all these are empirically testable, verifiable. What do you have to say to that? Well, I think in some respects that's right, that there's an anti-realist element to this account in the sense that uh, if the past is real, it remains inaccessible and unknowable. So the only knowledge we can have of it has to be built up out of evidence. But I don't think, therefore, that means it's not uh, empirical in the sense of being unverifiable and untestable. The whole point about relating your knowledge to evidence is that you can criticise and argue about how you've reached your conclusions. The important implication, however, is that the past is not, in a sense absolutely fixed it can and does change or perhaps reveal fresh aspects to itself depending on the questions you choose to ask about it in modern times for example the work of someone like Michel Foucault has been very important here asking questions about sexuality or madness or penality that in the last couple of generations have sent historians and social scientists off in completely new directions and so uh, in a way uh, this is a, a completely fresh um, kind of knowledge of the past that we're, we're developing so the past does in a way change and develop and grow depending on the kinds of questions we choose to ask about it and that is indeed a little counterintuitive because I do think that most people like to think of the past uh, in the way that you say but in fact even the personal past of memory tends not to be really like that if I asked you where you were on the 3rd of February 2016 I'm sure you wouldn't be able to give me a quick kind of answer you might be able to work it out but in fact uh, the, the 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 personal past is is also one that's uh, not uh, completely stable of course there was a fact of a matter about where you were but it may actually be unknowable we don't have a time machine that can go back and show us uh, and even if we did, uh, we wouldn't really know why you were doing what you were doing. There'd need to be some judgment and interpretation about what was going on. 
That doesn't mean, however, giving up on truth or reality or saying that everything is just subjective. It, it does mean uh, recognizing that truth is an outcome uh, and is liable to emendation, that this is something we arrive at as a process of investigation. It's not something that's simply out there in the world to be found lying around, as it were. History operates by retrieving and consolidating perspectives. But does that serve a purpose for the present? Is there a point to it? Well, there are probably several points. I think that for Oakshot, this had a kind of intrinsic interest to it. One of the things that he felt was valuable about the study of the past was the sheer recognition of difference that it confronted you with. You realise the extent to which the things that you take for granted or that you treat as normal features of the world and of social life uh, very often uh, in other times and places were not looked at that way by people and so uh, it tends to uh, unsettle your given existing interpretation of the world and make you realise that it is an interpretation. It's also worth mentioning a distinction he makes between different kinds of attitudes to the past that there was an important difference for him between the scholarly academic study of history and the role that the past plays in daily life and in culture. So he talks about the historical versus the practical past. And the historical past is the one that we've been talking about so far, which is the past that comes out of the examination of evidence to compose a kind of analytical uh, account of some series of events, the Russian Revolution or the Iran-Iraq War, or, or all these examples seem to be very military, but but uh, in fact, uh, you know, you, you could pick any sequence of historical events you liked and study it in this critical way. But it's also important that every society needs some sense of its own past in order to figure out, uh, as it were, where it is now in the present, and also where it's going in the future. So this is the past really uh, as it figures in politics. And one of Oakeshott's key points, which I think is an important argument of his, is that the past in politics is never really about the past. It's actually always about the future. And when you get people trying to make claims about we need to get back to this state of things uh, or we need to restore the good old days or some version of this kind of argument... What they're really talking about is not literally reviving the past, which of course you can't do, but about how things are going to be in future. The um, properly critical historical inquiry, for Oakshot anyway, serves as some kind of sensorial uh, force, however, in public life. That if politicians start making claims about stuff that the evidence just doesn't support, the historian can point this out. What historians can't do is start setting kind of policy goals based on their understanding of the past because the historical focus of attention is really on explaining events in terms of what led up to them but also I think the objects that when you study history in an academic sense for Oakshot you're really interested in trying to understand that section of the past uh, as the evidence seems to indicate that it was you're, you're not trying to set some kind of future direction for yourself give yourself some kind of orientation in the present and these are two very different ways of thinking about the role that the past plays for us that he identifies and tries to 
separate uh, between. Hmm. So I have two questions, but firstly, would you say that the role of the historian in that sense would be to inject some sense of soberness into public discourse by providing a critical perspective on what is being said as a, or what is being passed off as conventional wisdom? Well, I would say that. I have to say that uh, I'm extrapolating from Eric Schott a bit here because while there is a lively debate on the public role of the historian, it's not really something he discusses in great detail. So the historian just simply can't, in the nature of the thing, set the political agenda. That's not what historical thinking does. It would You would no longer be doing history. You'd be doing politics if you started trying to figure out which direction you think society ought to be going in. Having said that, uh, there is the opportunity still for um, historians to look at the kinds of claims that are being made in political life and uh, rebut them at least where they're you know, transparently false according to all the evidence that we have if there's just no reason to believe in, a, for example, European context when it comes to issues like Holocaust denial uh, the work of historians becomes very important in a, in a practical and legal context so uh, history does have something uh, to contribute to public life I think that, that's important and you can certainly uh, build on Oakshot to explain what that is. So according to your understanding of Oakshot, um, history does not proceed in a simplistic or linear fashion. There is no grand theory or direction in which history must proceed or will proceed. But many reading history would have an intuitive grasp of where the world is headed. For instance, Tocqueville notes um, a general trend towards equality in his time. Would it then be wrong to say that reading history and extrapolating the present trajectory into the future is something that is ahistorical? Well, I think it depends how broadly you want to try and uh, make those sorts of claims. I don't think Oakshot would want to deny that in a particular context you can see definite trends or tendencies emerging in, in history and uh, the Tocquevillian example is a good one because Democracy in America was a remarkably prescient book. It's often hailed for having you know, predicted the emergence of a fully kind of democratic culture in an American context long before Europeans in general were really aware of what's going on. But what Oakeshott is contesting is that there is some kind of historical process at work that is uh, necessitated in some way. So, for example, um, in a number of prominent thinkers in that era, Kant or Hegel or Marx slightly later, you find the idea that nature or Geist uh, or the relations between uh, forces of production and uh, the ownership of capital are in some sense determinative of the historical process in a way that has nothing to do with uh, the individual decisions that people are making so it's in this kind of rather stronger sense that Oakeshott would I think uh, say that these kinds of narratives are not necessarily false but not historical uh, it's just not what you're looking to do as a historian is to sort of identify the overall uh, arc of history uh, you can just be agnostic about that so 
he's uh, not saying that uh, these things are perhaps entirely wrong, but but uh, just that this has nothing to do with historical knowledge. Now, uh, the way in which he does tend to regard these kinds of hypotheses is that in fact they're versions of what he calls the practical past. And the the point of, I guess, historical work is you just concentrate exclusively on the past, understood in terms of its own past, not understood on its own terms. Sometimes people talk about understanding the past as it was. And this is something that Oakeshott says specifically is not the goal for the historian. You don't simply take people in the past at their own face value or their own self-estimation it's not simply a matter of deciding whether to believe what they say is true or false because uh, there may be things going on in the past that people back then were entirely unaware of a good example is sort of long-term economic cycles in the medieval world in the west or something like that where somebody kind of living through this process would in a sense have had no idea that uh, any such thing was taking place but yet looking at the historical evidence we can see that there's some uh, long-term development actually at work in a sort of objective way as a result of our criticism of the evidence but it needn't have been something that anybody at the time was actually aware of. So to close things off professor tell us something we don't know. So yes I think one of the things about Oakeshott that people are not so well aware of uh, is the extent of his involvement with uh, quite a few uh, rather prominent female artists and intellectuals during the course of the 20th century so iris murdoch is one she was a very prominent uh, british philosopher uh, and novelist at oxford university uh, another would be shirley letwin who was uh, close to margaret thatcher during the 1970s when thatcher was coming to power and a third example would be Elizabeth Vellacott, who became a fairly well-known British painter in the later part of the 20th century and has become increasingly well-recognised, but I don't think her relationship with Oakeshott in the 1930s and thereafter uh, is public knowledge at all. So investigating the private life, investigating the correspondence sheds a lot of interesting light, not just on his intellectual development, but on the personal life in a way that gives us some interesting insights into social life in 20th century Britain. I think they're interesting not just for uh, what they tell us about him, but for what they can tell us about a world that actually uh, is rapidly itself already moving into the past. That's all the time we have for the show today. Thank you for your time, Professor. If you're interested in Professor O'Sullivan's work, check out the link in the description below. There you'll find a list of his articles, essays and book chapters, all available for download and viewing. If you like our work, subscribe and check our website at ynsar.commons.yale-nus.edu.sg. Link also in the description. We will be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned. After Hours is a podcast initiative by the Yale NUS Society for Academic Research, a student organization here in Yale NUS College. This episode is hosted and written by Austin Ng, class of 2021, Duke Arslan, class of 2022, myself, Rainer Ng, from class of 2022, and our intro and outro music has been specially composed by Nicole Nazareth of class of 2022.